Demons Discuss, Take 36, The One with the D. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie. With me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. And what are we talking about today, Angela? We're talking about Shadow of Night, Chapter 12, Somebody Gets Married. Yay! <laughs> We're going to the chapel. <laughs> For happy stuff. Happy stuff. Yay. Okay, so let's get this little bit out of the way. This podcast is brought to you by listeners just like you. If you'd like to support us by keeping us independent and ad-free, check out patreon.com slash demons discuss. That will give you access to things like our driving in the ditch wagon things and the after show, a podcast available to all of our patrons. We will be recording episode four after this reporting of the uh, public show. Mm-hmm. So yay. And do that. And uh, let's go on to discuss our emails. Let's who wants to start there? Oh, well, mine's from Kit, not Marlo. <laughs> Hello, demons. Yay. Chapter 12 of Sun has a lot going on. And of course, the D at last. Right. Well, rightfully <laughs> take up a lot of discussion, I'm sure, in the episode. But one of my favorite scenes in the whole trilogy is Philippe and Diana at Artemis's temple. I've always been a big fan of Greco-Roman mythology, so I love seeing the Greek rituals brought to life. The sorrow and the glory of the ruins amongst the wilds of nature. The solemn stillness of everything. The revelation of Philippe's connection to the Hercules myth. The glimpse of him as the savage remainder of a lost world. And then the buck. Philippe and Diana in general have one of my very favorite relationships over the course of the trilogy. In many ways, Diana is Philippe's truest heir of all, or at least inheritor of his connection to the goddess and divine justice being worked on her. A part of him that seems mostly hidden to other people, even other members of his family, but known to Diana so intimately. And seeing Philippe share this with her for the first time after marking her with his blood oath is really touching to me. And then, of course, he gives her the crucial arrowhead and a whole bunch of money to enable her to thrive even 500 years in the future, which is both practical and touching. Interesting things afoot with both of them in this chapter, and I love it. Happy spring and sas efharistos for your fun virtual company every fortnight. Thank you so much, Kit. Thank you, Kit. I have to to agree. I mean... I mean, despite this being the one with the D, the whole scene with the, at the altar was much more profound to me this read than it has yeah, been and it's any very, other read. It's very dense. I noticed some new things in there that really made my eyebrows shoot up to my forehead. I can't Yay. wait to get to it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have one from New England, Angela. Yay! Yay! I'm going to jump right into the meat of it. She says, let's talk about friends or kith or kin, according to Matthew. Diana thought of herself as a loner. Matthew corrected her by saying her family and friends have grown substantially since they've met. He's right, of course. When Matthew asked Diana who she would have invited to her wedding, it made me wonder. Who would they have invited to their wedding had it occurred in present time? Hamish? He definitely would be voted best dressed. Varen? Would it Baldwin bust to move on the dance floor? Who would catch the bouquet? Phoebe? The garter? Maybe Jack? Who would <laughs> would Mart serve the damn tea? <laughs> Imagine Matthew and Diana's first song. What do you think it would be? In my head, I hear the Envision this playing A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. And I didn't think of it as her wedding song, but I did think of that song playing in the background this whole trilogy. So I agree with you, Angela. Well, thank you, Angela. That's something to talk about further, maybe in the after show. Yeah. Yep. Yay. Mm-hmm. All right. I have a couple. Took two because these were shorter, so I figured it'd be fair. Okay, so the first one is from Steven. Hello again, delicious demons. <laughs> <Did> it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I'm sure this has been mentioned before. I note that Philippe announces his name as Alcides Leontothymos. I hope that's right. In his invocation at the site of the Temple of Artemis, the Greek name for the Roman goddess Diana. Deb has, has left a big clue here linking Philippe to Hercules and the Lionhearted. I won't add any comments to the last part of chapter 12, but chuckle to myself as Matthew being warned about the carnal appetites of older women. Regards, <laughs> <laughs> of course you would, Stephen. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> okay, and this next one is from Sarah. I'm not sure we've heard from Sarah before, no. but welcome, Sarah. Um, Not sun-related, but can I just say that as a music instructor, I often have to talk about notes, pitches in the following manner. The blank, insert name of note here. The note is often, of course, a D. Hit the D, softer on the D, land on the D, start on the D. The D is not quite right. <laughs> I could go on. I already giggle to myself like a mature lady when this happens, but now all I can see is the image of a station wagon heading for a ditch. <laughs> oh, Sarah, that's the best. Oh, my God. Thanks for the fun, Sarah. Well, thank you, Sarah. Sarah. Oh, the D like is land not on the D. Right. Land on the D. Don't land on the D. <laughs> Softer on the D, please. Deeper on, deeper on the D. That's that's like a like a that's like a command out of Spartacus, yeah, you know, where they're <laughs> where their chambermaids are getting them ready. And oh my the bitch. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> oh, early this time, early. We're gonna have to call the tow truck early. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, this chapter review is brought to you by Dr. Shelley Carter. <laughs> of course it is. Thank you, Dr. Shelley. All right. Uh, so here we go. We left off in chapter 11 in the presence of Diana, Matthew, Philippe, Alain, Pierre, Thomas, and assorted members of the household. And a dead Champier. <laughs> right. <laughs> a very dead Champier. <laughs> All whirling in the aftermath of Diana killing the witch, Andre Champier. Philippe had just announced he's going to throw a wedding, a proper one for Diana and Matthew. We open up chapter 12 and we are in Diana's head as she describes the three-day wedding festivities Philippe has planned for them, despite Matthew and Diana's resistance and or complaints. We find Matthew trying to be practical about the planning of the last-minute feast during a time of reduced food stores, and that pisses Chef off. There's no reason to refuse a party. I agree, Yeah, chef. I like it. Good attitude. <laughs> Since the whole house is running around planning this wedding, we find Diana and Matthew in front of the fire contemplating their upcoming nuptials. So let's go, guys. What do you think? First of all, she's got a modified modern day outfit on that Matthew so graciously sewed for her. Yes, I thought that was cool. <laughs> I would have liked that leggings that he sewed. Yeah. Although she appeared, she would appear naked to everyone else. Even Philippe took exception to what she was wearing. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is this? Cover what the fresh hell is this shit? Yeah. Cover yourself, woman. <laughs> 
So Diane is asking what this wedding will wind up being. And she assumes surely nothing too pagan. And as we all know, and Matthew points I out to her. I love this line. Yes. I love this line. Shirley and Philippe should never share a sentence. And this is true. It always ends badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they talk about how fitting it is that Philippe is now both father of the groom and father of the bride. And I find it kind of amazing that in this twisted family tree, we all understand this isn't some, you know, hillbilly incest shit that's going on. Right. I, I'm like, how mature of me to take that in and not, you know, make little internal jokes about that. <laughs> I just thought about this just just now. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that makes total sense. <laughs> All I thought was, how would it be any other way? Because Philippe wants to control the whole thing. And if he had to deal with the mother of the bride and planning the reception, could you imagine that? No. No. Could you imagine him and like Sarah going at it as far as planning the reception? <laughs> oh, Lord, no. Well, Sarah probably wouldn't care. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, yeah, that's good. Whatever. <laughs> She'd make right. some crack crack about the Knights of Columbus in Oneida Hall or something. Is that going to be good enough? <laughs> well, we'll just rent that out. That's cool. <laughs> Speaking of which, her upbringing and everything, Diana isn't into the fuss of it all. Hey, she She's not into the fuss. And I totally get it. I don't know. I just... Talking- I feel though like just stop it. Just just just, just let go him have it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do what every other modern bride does. Just right. go with it. Yes. It's one no, of the it's me. one of the new newer fangled traditions. At some point in time you just throw up your hands and say, Yeah, whatever. See, I got married at a little white chapel and I was good with that, yo. <laughs> no, I, and I was too. I wasn't one of those who dreamt of my day my entire life and had to have this or that or you know, but it's Philippe and he even says later on, I always get what I want, you know. Just Let's go with it. Right, right. Yeah. And, and as he said, it's not for you. It's for the village. This is true. And uh, she explains Sarah and Am's hand fasting, which is just a simple ceremony. It's pretty much uh, with less glitz and glamour than the Little White Chapel ceremony. But yeah. it's well, just a simple joining of hands. And didn't they like, she likened it to their, what they did right before they left Madison, too, mm-hmm. in Time Walk. Yeah. So nice and simple. Very simple. Although I, I chuckled when she said it's just an empty ritual in Madison. Matthew, for once, was smart and said, there's no such thing as an empty ritual. Yeah. Right. Which I And we're going to find out. No, exactly. But I thought even from his Catholicism, I mean, it's one of the wedding, getting married is one of the sacraments. So he'd have to hold it Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, he did give her an out. He said, if you can't bear it, speak now. But, you know, she's going to bear it. We all know. I mean, I know when I first read it, I'm like, oh, no, you're going to bear this. I need to see this. So, (laughs) yeah. And I, I think Matthew, Matthew was down with it. To the, to the point where he's arguing with, with Chef about, hey, there's all this other ritualistic stuff that you should be paying attention to as far as it being Advent and what we can and can't eat. So yeah. in his own way, he was trying to be Philippe about it too mm-hmm. and impose his Catholicism on the proceedings to no avail, but, you know, he tried. So we find out tonight is just a feast. Just a and, feast. Uh, a, just a, a, a feast. modified <laughs> feast, though, with no meat, yes. milk, or cheese. Is that like the feast at? I'm saying... <laughs> <laughs> it's, the it's, the, it's the Friday feast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Used to, the local news used to have a feature where they do a restaurant review and it was called the Friday feast. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> was it a, like a review of a restaurant? Yeah. Uh, Friday. Uh, and it was actually when we lived in Las Vegas and it was a uh, attorney and food critic. I know. So it made it even funnier. <laughs> oh, he's, he's totally the old man. Get off of my lawn guy. But still, he was always humorous. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. All right. So uh, if this 
wedding was happening in Madison, they have this conversation. Sarah M. and her friend Chris and the chair of her department would be there. I I like that they mentioned Chris Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, it kind of ties us back to the first book where we didn't know her relationship. And I guess this was kind of a clue for us to. Yeah, but then then she says, I don't have any friends. So it's still like, yeah. And she, I mean, right after that, the chair of my department, I didn't buy Chris or the chair of my department. Yeah. 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 It's like, okay, these are the two people I actually talk to at work. And if I have to invite somebody, I'll invite them. Right. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me, but we still didn't have a clue on the depth of their relationship. I'm totally convinced of it. We, we didn't know. Anyway, (laughs) I'll let that go. We'll do it for the after show, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The thing that Diana is known to be a loner, and she assumed Matthew was too. Matthew said that vampires prefer the company of others. And I guess it's apparent with his uh, School of Night. Yeah. That would be a perfect (laughs) example. He likes to surround himself with people. And so maybe that's why the School of Night was a shock to her. She didn't think this was the norm for him. Well, I think this is another instance of Deb rejecting typical vampire lore too, like the the myths about them not coming out during the day and sleeping in a coffin and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. That, you know, that vampires are loners skulking in the dark is another myth. Right. And she even says only on TV in the movies did vampires like to be alone. So that's exactly what you were talking to, Gene. Yeah. Just separating the two, her vampires versus other vampires. And then they have the family planning talk. Okay. Which made me very happy because... Did it? No, (laughs) only because it's like he was always making decisions about their relationship and how she felt about him without having a conversation with her. And here she's taking the lead and showing him how to be a grown up about it and have a discussion about it. That's what made me happy about it. Right. I wrote down the herbs for the damn tea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I thought when they were get, doing the conversation, I thought this was the spark of hope that inspired our, our title of this episode. But I'm like, so it actually is going to happen. You know? The- yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> 50 some chapters later. <laughs> and it kind of cracked me up. I, I guess in a way it was kind of, in a way it was kind of heavy handed too. It's the old, okay, here we are. I'm, I'm doing my 21st century safe sex talk. Right. Yeah. And we get like this mini history of contraception in there too, which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> I like that Matthew is sort of side-eyeing her and he's like, well, have you been drinking it? Like he doesn't want to release his own feelings about the whole subject. Kind of, he was doing the of- typical male, okay, how, you know, the whole does this make yeah. my butt look fat? Uh, <laughs> Let me ask some questions to figure out how I'm supposed to answer this question. Is it a trick? Right. <laughs> and Diana's like, no, dummy, we have to decide this together. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Give me a real answer. So uh, they go over the choices. Uh, like, Jean, you were saying, the history of yeah. uh, contraception. Uh, Mart's yeah. non-reliable mixture. He, he, what was funny was he was really, he was he was not a fan of abstinence or withdrawal, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> well, who is God? <laughs> And then uh, the condoms, which were made of questionable material, linen. Um, uh, wouldn't some of the fellas I, sneak through that? I'm thinking the, the, mother, <laughs> right? the You know, I was, I, I, yeah, my eyes got kind of big at the thought leather. Yeah. yeah. Leather, I think, would be more substantial than linen, though, but, because I, I, 
As far as prevention, from a, from a, I'm, yeah. Yeah, as far as prevention, yeah. But I'm just thinking from a functional standpoint. There's there's not going to be a whole lot of enjoyment from it, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. pleasure for her, maybe not for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. rip for your pleasure, probably not. I don't think pleasure is going to go in that sentence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, the big no on the animal. Yeah, I have, Are I you have, fucking kidding I have thoughts me? On that, I'm not going to even share. <laughs> But I I have, yeah, forget it. I'm not even going there. (laughs) I hate to say Um, this, but that's what lambskin ones are made out of. And they still sell those for people with latex allergies. Oh. Yeah. By the way, um, sorry. (laughs) So I'll say it's still. That's what they use it for sausage casing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. It's organic. (laughs) It's organic, at least. (laughs) No. All right. It's decidedly so, non vegan. <laughs> but through this discussion, Matthew isn't getting what she's getting to. And he dances around the subject even more by saying, if you and I could conceive, it would be a miracle. You know, and I'm like, therefore, no form of contraception would be effective. And it's like, what the fuck is that circular logic? Right. Exactly. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. Especially the scientist in him. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Well, what's so funny is he's talking about a miracle and they're getting married. They're getting married the next day. And that's a feast of immaculate conception. Yeah. Oh. There was well, that. <laughs> there is that. And she's like, whatever. You know, saying his time in Paris was not wasted and compared his argument to one that could have been or made by a medieval th- theologian. So your, it's yeah. your buddy. It's your buddy Aquinas and uh, Aquinas. Saint, Saint Augustine, too. <laughs> I'm going to say it again Aquinas. <laughs> I did it. Okay. So Matthew finally concedes that he'd want her to put the herbs back in the still room. So are you saying you want a kid there, Matthew? What's going on? I think they were trying to feel each other out as far as whether they wanted kids or not. And this conversation was just circling the wagons like, come on, guys. Do you want kids? Check yes or no. I don't know. They discussed the possibility of passing on blood rage to children. Mm -hmm. And he essentially says, based on his observations in the lab, patterns of extension, he feels better when there's hope for the future. And she's like, same, bro. You and me and kids. Sounds inevitable. He makes it sound so scientific, though. I mean, I want to have kids Mm -hmm. not to like enrich my life or to teach them or to, you know. Yeah, exactly. I don't want my line to die out. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then Endora pops in. (laughs) Well, here's back up before Endora. She says it sounds inevitable. When I hear the word inevitable, I feel trapped. I'm like, inevitable. Mm -hmm. There's no way out of this. It's inevitable. But she implies it's kind of a good thing. A word like inevitable is kind of a weird weird well, but thing. It's almost like she's subconsciously giving herself over to fate with that word choice. I guess. <laughs> I guess. It's like, uh, I guess it's inevitable that we're going to have kids. Oh, sad trombone here. I'm sorry. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, sound yeah. good to me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the aura of this conversation implies that this is indeed welcome. The fact that she and Matthew aren't the same people yeah. they were because they've seen a lot, done, done a lot. It just makes all of this 
stepping forward very murky. But what's so funny, yeah, which is funny because weren't we talking two, ep- two chapters ago, we were talking about how Diana was so concerned about remembering everything about the what was going on in the blacksmith shop and the metallurgy and, <laughs> and all the stuff yeah. she's going to use in, in her historian life. And then I think in this chapter, it shows that she's gone through a lot of growth overall right. because she's, yeah. she's having this thought that, wait, I time walked. This changes everything. It finally dawns on her. Yeah. That's why I was surprised that she didn't want the wedding or was resisting it. Because from a pure historian perspective, <laughs> he'd want to have the wedding. You would think she'd want to see all that, write it down and keep records. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but it's not a sciencey thing. No. That's an anthropo- anthropological kind of thing. It was something Stephen, mm-hmm. her dad, would appreciate more. Yes, definitely. So Matthew goes on to say, if she's not sure, they must prevent it. And on this reread, it seems now that he's got the chance to proceed with extreme caution versus with Blanca, where it just happened. Yeah. And I don't know. I just picked it up on this read where it's like he is the one being really cautious because of all that filling her with death thing. That's got to be hitting him. And uh, he just doesn't want it to happen against her will. Yeah. So he wants to make sure she is sure. And then uh, Diana discusses how the page from Ashmole 782 was about them and conception and back to the fate thing. So she's like, she's about the fate. He's like, oh, well, only if you want it. And I'm thinking that has to do with Blanca and the filling her with death. Yeah. <laughs> I can't let that go. <laughs> filling her with death. Oh, terrible. Okay, so now, poof, Philippe shows up. He's like, what's this about? Conception? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> and then Matthew gets on the defensive. He's like, it ain't gonna happen. And Philippe's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, never's a long time. <laughs> right. That's one of his favorite sayings right up there with, you know, think and stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matthew precisely says this. No manja song has ever fathered a child like that before. And I love this quote from Philippe. He says, never is a long time, Matthew, mm-hmm. as I told you. As for the impossible, I have walked this earth longer than a man's memories have seen things that later generations have discounted as myth. Once there were creatures who swam like fish in the sea and others who wielded lightning bolts instead of spears. They are gone now, replaced with something new. Change is the only reliable thing in the world. And I think that's what got us thinking about the merman thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and that that one quote kind of spun us off in all different directions. I was like, oh, who's the creature that walked out of the sea? You know, yeah. and the lightning bolts. Who's titans. That? It's the Titans. And we'll find yeah. out a little bit more in a few pages. I mean, and it's Heraclitus. Even, yeah, I'll say even though Heraclitus just said change is the only reliable thing in the world, I could not help but think of how Philippe inspired Darwin's quote. Darwin may or may not have yes. said Yeah, I like that. And that's in the beginning of the Book of Life, yes, right? Yes, that's the epigraph for the yeah. Book of Life. Yep. So Philippe is cluing Matthew in. Look, you don't know what you don't know, pal. And then he points out Diana's outfit. Well, <laughs> Diana makes a go ahead. Well, I was going to say in the best part, and this is this is also, I think, a bit of foreshadowing too, when he says, the gods like to surprise us when we grow complacent. It's their favorite form of entertainment. Entertainment. He would know, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the puppet master is someone else's puppet. Yeah. It's funny. He points out Diana's outfit and Diana makes the comment that who knew the men could sew? And Philippe's like, hi, you think Isabeau sews? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, which, is, Diana. 
Which is so funny because after all that back and forth with, with Matthew getting so upset about her being treated as the housekeeper and this and that, it's like he, he was actually raised in a fairly progressive, forward-thinking household where, yeah, they had gender roles, but the gender roles weren't as boxed in as modern people like to think. Yeah. And I honestly don't think Isabel ever did anything she didn't want no. to do. Ever. No. Uh, it's just not in her DNA makeup. And Diana's like, oh, right. Nope. She wouldn't. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. She wouldn't. So. Oops. <laughs> Philippe is like, okay, Diana, if you're going to dress like a dude, how about throwing on some breeches and meet me Put outside? Some pants on. Stay here. <laughs> yeah. You're not going out pant- pantless. <laughs> so uh, on to the temple scene. Now we're outside with Diana and Philippe and what she described as a ground punctuated with protrusions of stone that struck her as oddly symmetrical. She determined that this was a man-made setting. So any thoughts on the temple, guys? What did you think when you first read this? I got a mental picture mostly I, on my first read and just mm-hmm. could kind of hear the wind howling and the snow swirling. and It was very descriptive. Yes, it was very evocative. But yep. on this read, something really struck me in this first first descriptive passage was when she talked about the snow-covered ground, all that marred the pristine surface were the tracks of wildlife, the heart-shaped outline of a deer's hoof, the five-clawed marks of a bear, the combination of triangular and oval pads belonging to a wolf. I think that's our first foreshadowing of the triangle. Huh. I never even saw that. I didn't either. It was like, oh, my God, there's Gallaglass, Matthew and Diana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. That is crazy. But we didn't know about we didn't know about Gallaglass the first time no, we read but this. That's what so. I'm saying is foreshadowing. <laughs> and I don't know what to make a what to make of uh, more fate or a message from the goddess to the leap that that's who needs to protect her. I don't know. Huh. Wow. That just kind of threw me. It's a, it's a sign of something. And I'm not quite sure what other than the three of them. Right. Yeah. Like Gallaglass is still present, even though he's not there. Yeah. Or refuses yes. to go there. Yes. So Diana asked what place this is. And Philippe says it was a temple dedicated to Diana once. He also explained that those who revered the goddess planted cypress trees to grow alongside the native oak and alder. He also said that when he was a child, way before he became a vampire, that brides would visit a temple like this one to offer a sacrifice to the goddess. And she's like, what? Sacrifice? What? (laughs) (laughs) And then he gives her a knife to cut a lock of her hair to offer to the goddess. And this is more of that quote, no matter how much we change, it's important to remember the past and honor it. Philippe handed me a knife and a bag whose contents shifted and chimed. It's also wise to set old wrongs to rights. The goddesses have not always been pleased with my actions. I would like to make sure that Artemis receives her due before my son marries you tomorrow. The knife will take a lock of your hair. It is a symbol of your maidenhood and a customary gift. The money is a symbol of your worth. And then Philippe's voice dropped for a conspiratorial whisper. There would have been more, but I had to save some for Matthew's God, too. (laughs) That was cute. Before we get into that, Deb says that she's in each one of her characters. A little bit of hers in each one of the characters. But I have to think that Philippe and she... I always, I always have said, Philippe is Deb and Deb is Philippe. And when she says, no matter how much we change, and I even say she, um, it is important to remember the past and honor it. That's a total Deb line. Total Deb. Yeah. That's Deb. Yeah. Total. Deb. As a historian, it's a very apt yes. line. 
But I remember one time in, in the group, she's, a picture disappeared. You guys know which one. And she said, am I to understand that this picture disappeared? And that's exactly what Philippe said to Matthew. Am I to understand that you need my protection? And I, al- I always see a lot of, like I said, that they're one yes. and the same, Deb and Philippe. More so than, yeah. you know, I never correlated that. She did say that. <laughs> when, when that happened, yeah. Yeah. When that happened, yeah. yeah. And, and then she amply provided. Right, exactly. Bag of money for the goddess. You're right. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Exactly. She Philippe'd us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got Philippe'd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, more of that in the after show, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Diana expresses her surprise that people still go there. And then Philippe's like, all over France, women still curtsy to the moon when she is full. Such habits die hard, especially those that sustain people during difficult times. And then uh, Philippe begins to speak, calling all iterations of Artemis. I'm going to truncate this because no one wants to hear me experiment <laughs> with Greek. Do you want me to try it? I can do it. You can. I Go will ahead. Try it. Go ahead. Yeah. Artemis Agritere, renowned huntress. Alcides Leontotimos beseeches you to hold this child, Diana, in your hand. Artemis Lyke, lady of the wolves, protector in every way. Artemis Petroia, goddess of my ancestors, bless her with children so that my lineage continues. Artemis Phosphoros, bring the light of your wisdom when she is in darkness. Artemis Upis, watch out, watch over your namesake during her journey in this world. And that was pretty much all of her guises, or not all of, of them, but <clears throat> round of applause. I just listened to the audio and you did spectacularly. Oh, very Thank good. You. Very good. Very good. <laughs> I didn't kill it. No, he calls to the huntress, the wise woman, and the ladies of the lady of the wolves, right? Yeah. All preceded by the name Artemis. So thank you, Jean, very much yes. for saving the audience and me listening to that in post-production. And, and, it, well, and what's really <laughs> interesting about that is those ver- different versions of Artemis, they're all kind of regional. Different parts of Greek worship dis- different aspects of her. So he mm-hmm. he's covering all of his bases here. And the one to me, to me that was always the most, inter- well, the two most interesting were Artemis Phosphoros, who is, you know, light, and right. we know how much right. loves light. And Artemis right. Upis, who is actually connected with Nemesis. And that's important because her purpose is the righteous control over human life. Huh. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I think that's right there. He dedicated Diana to the goddess and made her a tool of the goddess. Yeah. And the different aspects, the only thing that kind of called to me is uh, in modern neo-pagan religions, there's definitely different aspects of the goddess, like the huntress, mm-hmm. you know, the wise woman, which would be the crone. Lady of the wolves, I'm not sure she would correlate directly to um, the maiden or the mother, but she, there's so many different aspects of the goddess mm-hmm. the way we think of well, her. Well, what's so interesting is that her protection aspect takes the form of the wolf. Right. I was just thinking that. Agreed. And and this is more Roman, but every household belongs to like a god or goddess team, for lack yes. of a better way of putting mm-hmm. it. And Heracles was out, that house was always dedicated to, if you look through it, there there are connections between Artemis and Hercules. Think As I'm spinning this out as I'm thinking about it right now. And the funny thing is is, is there are several instances where Hercules comes up later on down the line we can talk about in connection nice. with Artemis. So, But anyways, we've got a lot more to go here. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> that could be an hour. Yeah, yeah. So when, a little mini ditch, but it's good. Yeah. Well, when the surge happened, what do you think something, it, make, it always makes me think the surge happened and then something has to be happening in another t- parallel timeline because I, 
I now when I the search happens, I think of Rebecca saying the goddess entrusted you to us and we have no idea why. Well, and then in the temple, she saw the temple in its former glory, too. Mm-hmm. I, and I have to think part of it is because that temple's on ley lines. Right. Nice. So and I think you're right. The temple appeared and basically maybe with all the multiverse stuff that there was a it was one of those moments where it cascaded through every parallel timeline. Rippling. Yeah. Through all of them. It was bigger than any one one occurrence. Yes. Or bigger than any one time. So no matter what sequence of events, this part was going to happen. Yes. Is what you're suggesting. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I see. Diana thought about Philippe's lineage being hers both too, you know, both by marrying Matthew Mm -hmm. and being Philippe's blood sworn daughter. So she drops the coins on the ground and offers a curl of her hair. The white buck. And I'm like, here we go. (laughs) White animals. White animals. (laughs) The white buck shows up, walks up to Diana, bellows at Philippe. And that seemed to signal to Philippe that Artemis has accepted the gifts. And Philippe's like, all right, we're good. (laughs) We're good here. I like the fact that the stag just comes up to him and goes, bah. yeah. <laughs> and Philippe's like, all right, dude. <laughs> you know, I kind of wonder if they, they kind of had, had, they have a history there, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> he like raises his little hoof, high five. Yeah, was, yeah. Was, that, or was that the bucks that he shot in the ass that started the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, the thing with Artemis? Yeah. yeah. Well, it'd be like, remember me, asshole? asshole. <laughs> I, I totally project this story onto my daily life. We were driving home the other day and it was very dark out and a buck walked out in front of the car and I stopped in time. But after we drove away, I said to Harlow, didn't you see that? It was like a white animal. She's like, mom, it was like a regular brown deer. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, it wasn't. It was the white buck for the temple. <laughs> it was a sign, damn it. It was a sign. Exactly. Damn it, it looked white to me. Yes, I know. <laughs> Hush, oh child. You're right. your moment. <laughs> yes. Now, what color was that buck? Wait, <laughs> yeah. mommy, stop. Exactly. Mommy, so was white, mommy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so they returned to the chateau where Matt. Matthew was waiting. Basically, I picture him pacing because he he's just he's like, like that. I, he's extra I, like yeah, that. I just, yeah, <laughs> just like what is my dad going to do now? Right, uh, right. <laughs> and Philippe is like, ready yourself for the banquet. The guests will arrive soon. Gird your loins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to me, that was like Philippe saying, "Okay, serious shit is over. It's party time." Right. You know, <laughs> I always see him as just he loves a party. I think. Yes. Okay, so the chateau is apparently decorated for Advent and she's dressed by Katrine and Jayanne in a gown that she describes as the grandest thing she had ever worn. Well, up to that point, it was dark green with silver oak leaves. So was that to match with the uh, Advent decorations or do you think they or it had a separate significance? Mm, Good question. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. But that vision, again, reminds me of Jean's uh, Ghost of Christmas Present. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and... (laughs) I think I posted a nice article on symbolism and medieval colors is on our one of our Facebook pages. And I just don't recall what green means. Yeah. I mean, right now in modern times, purple is Advent colors. So I don't know if purple yeah. was in fashion then or how much it was used. I know. I think Harlow told me that only rich people could afford purple back then. So I don't know. I mean, but that's they're using dark green, which is still fresh. Yeah, in the I think the, the, the sumptuary laws were really 
targeting red because the beetles that they use for the scarlet coloring were so mm-hmm. hard to come by. Ah, so. So after she's dressed, she comes out and Matthew is suitably impressed saying, you're beautiful, Moncor. And the me, the way I think, I'd be like, you're just now noticing I'm beautiful, you shithead. <laughs> 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 when I'm all tied up in this shit, but no, Diana's not me. <laughs> Thank God. That would not and have read well. A... <laughs> I'd make a terrible Diana. A great Sarah, a terrible Diana. <laughs> yeah. You're more of a flannel shirt kind of gal. Yes, I am. Alon shows up and lets them know that everybody's waiting for them, and this is where Diana tells Matthew she won't be taking the damn tea. Aww. Yay! So what's interesting to me is we can see a bit of Diana's insecurity here when she remarks, our entry into the hall was greeted with whispers and sidelong glances. The changes in my appearance had been noted and the nods told me that at last I look like someone who was fit to marry my lord. And I don't think anybody ever said that no. to her, that she no. wasn't fit. I think it was her own insecurities. You know, back to uh, Isabeau saying that she was, uh, Isabeau, the way she looked at her and she felt like a gauche country mouse. I think she's always had that insecurity about her where she was nothing special. But even in the very beginning of uh, Discovery of Witches, she was always pulling at her hair and her sleeves and trying to tamp her hair down. And she was picturing the immaculate Matthew Claremont. So right. it's mm-hmm. like vanity kind of too. Yeah. So in the Great Hall, they're seated on either side of Philippe, and they're offered up all sorts of food, which consisted of a soup made of chickpeas, grilled eel, a delicious puree of lentils, salt cod and garlic sauce, and an entire fish that swam through a gelatinous sea of aspic with sprigs of lavender and rosemary personating water plants. That had to look spectacular. I'm picturing it looking spectacular, but... Yeah, head-on fish is not my gig at all. (laughs) (laughs) But... In defense of aspic, mm-hmm. I had a vegetable terrine years, I mean, 20 years ago, and I still remember this thing. It was visually stunning and it was delicious. And mm. it was basically five different layers of fresh vegetables in a vegetable stock aspic and sliced, which huh. just made a beautiful presentation on the table. So I am not going to be one who just says, oh my God, anything in gelatin is gross. But No, I mean, jello is pretty good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> now you had to bring up Jello salad. Does anybody remember the Jello salad from the seventies that yes, had like with, the with the marshmallows and, and the carrots, or or the one that had like it looked like stained glass where you cubed up the different colors of regular Jello and oh. kind of it had the Jello fluff yeah. there, yeah, that held it all together. Oh, my aunt used to make that, and I loved it. It's, mm. it's funny. And then you know we graduate into the eighties and nineties, and then we go to straight to Jello shots, right? So. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I made the, I made the best. Jello shots. <gasps> oh, me too. <laughs> Best Jello shot story ever. When we bought our first house in Michigan, uh, we had a housewarming party, and my one friend Kevin, his con- contribution to the housewarming party was he brought two grocery bags full of Jello shots in like little restaurant dressing cups. The little, the little dressing cups yeah, with the, the little plastic cups. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my best friend and his boyfriend at the time took it upon themselves to teach my mother how to do jello shots. Oh my god. That's a great lesson. She, she was a pro 
by the time the day was over. It was I'm telling not you. pretty for my dad. <laughs> Best one I've ever had that I've ever That's made. Hilarious. Southern Comfort Amaretto and Pineapple Jello. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Yum. It was delicious. Those little cups they sell at the party store specifically for like jello shots. Oh, this like, was back in the dawn of time. We just went to the restaurant supply store and bought a whole sleeve of them. <laughs> bought a whole bunch of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. That was a li- that was just a life hack back at the- back in the day. Right, exactly, yes. <laughs> for Halloween I used to make really black ones oh, with, cool. uh, with the blueberry uh with the blueberry jello, yes. But if you add like other colors, it'll just get really dark and murky. Mm. And black. Uh-huh. So good. So good. And then I had another Bailey's recipe with one. It was really good. Anyway. Ooh, a, a, a jello shot with Bailey's. I'm trying will to figure we, out what... Will we have a fridge in our hotel at uh, in Philadelphia? <laughs> <laughs> we might have to experiment. I know I know we'll have a way to heat up water. So. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I am going to ship some voodoo chips to, to our hotel in, in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh gosh! I could Make just, sure that doesn't happen I again. I could just pack them while I can buy them here in the store. Oh yes, I have no access to them here. <laughs> oh god! Now you've given me ideas. <laughs> I like ideas for you. Oh, the, the Cajun taters are good too. Ooh, same brand. Yeah, Vood, the, uh, Zips does. Like, I think the Calm Gator chips. Oh yeah, bring those too. Okay, <laughs> yes. they're even hotter. Than the, they're hotter than the Voodoo chips. Yummy. Okay, mm, very Out yummy. Of the dish guys. Okay. Okay. Where are we again? We're at a wedding? Yeah. <laughs> Chickpeas, food chips, whatever. Right. right. It's, okay, it's so vegetarian, the- so we're in keeping with the, the priest's prohibition, so we're okay. Right. So this feast will not have meat, milk, or cheese, while the next day it will be like, fuck it, we eat what we want day. Oh, so, do, do they get bacon macaroni and cheese tomorrow? Oh, that'd be mm. great, huh? <laughs> there you go. You hungry, G? <laughs> <laughs> I am now. Oh, gosh. All right. So Matthew's portions are larger to ensure he was able to sustain the carnage that a lusty older broad would bring, you know? Carnage. (laughs) (laughs) The carnal delights of older women. Right. And I'm thinking Deb was hungry when she wrote this because she describes these really delicious sounding treats. Delicious nut brittle made with walnuts and honey. Mm -hmm. Sounds nummy. Even the candied fennel and cardamom sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Philippe covered Diana's ears while Matthew was trading insults with the men around him. I thought it was such a sweet, yeah. fatherly gesture. <laughs> Somewhat old-fashioned, because maybe Diana was a grown woman. You know, she's a grown woman. She's yeah. not a virgin. We know that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm no one to talk. My kids used to warn me to watch my mouth when they were in the car with me and I was cussing out drivers. So, oh, yeah. You know, That's a little different. For me, that would be wasted on me covering my ears. I've said probably worse. Anyway, Diana and Matthew taking the whole scene with Philippe making the rounds and greeting everyone like they were the most important person in the room. And Matthew's like marveling at him and Diana lets him know that he's just the same. He did the same thing Philippe did. And she wishes that he can see himself the way she yeah. does. That's yeah. We we all wish that, Diana. Right. Jeez. <laughs> so they do some light making out and the crowd goes wild and Philippe's like, chill out and give the girls something to look forward to tomorrow. And see, this is why I never even, wanted a big even wedding. Even Philippe is concerned about the D. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Save the day. 
This is exactly why I never wanted a big wedding. I just can't have a whole room concentrating on me and what I consider private. Still happens at weddings today. Yeah. When are you going to have kids? When are you going to buy a house? When are you going to mind your fucking business? Oh. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry, audience. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like it gets to a point where you just want to look at them and go, no, we're just we're just thinking about the anal sex tonight. Shut up. Yeah. Picture that shit. <laughs> <laughs> go have some brain bleach. We have a bar full of it. You're right. <laughs> but like Matthew said, weddings are for guests and family, not the couple. So we're going to play along so here. we're the monkeys in the suits. Yes. <laughs> so this is the part of the chapter where Philippe brings out his kithara and starts telling the tale of Peleus and Thetis or Thetis. 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 Thetis and their kid, Thetis. Okay. Yeah. And their kid Achilles. Yeah. And when he gets to the story of, <laughs> when he gets to the story of Achilles, he cuts it off and is like, that's all folks. Because, oh. you know, the Trojan War and the Achilles childhood thing would probably sound. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, th- I don't think the story about the gay love would help either, but that's a whole nother, yeah. that's a non-wedding kind of thing. Right. That's not the point of this day. So we're just going to cut yes. it off right here. And this is the part where Philippe announces that the bride and groom must separate for the night, but she can give him a little something, something for him to look forward to. The kiss and the crowd goes wild. We get into the traditions of veil wear- wearing in the 16th century. It wasn't done, but Philippe insists on it. And then Alain escorts her to the room. And now it's time to turn in before the big day. The D is coming, folks. The D is coming. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, the the token of token of affection to make sure he does not forget her during the lonely hours of the night. Mm. Mm. What's going on during those lonely hours? (laughs) (laughs) Some self-regulating. He needs to save save the D for later. Don't abuse the D. I'm thinking vampires can abuse the D and it wouldn't be so detrimental. Oh, so the refractory time is low? Maybe. Maybe it's like healing or maybe it's like hair growing. Maybe, you know, you'd have <laughs> no, to wait. It's not like it. If it's like hair growing, we're all in some trouble here. You just ruined all those fantasies of vampire sex. Right. Matthew's got there. a serious problem with hair growing. Uh, boy, this has taken a turn. <laughs> All right. So Katrina... Katrina and Jan uh, let Diana sleep in while they're preparing to trust her up like poultry. And the way Diana describes the procession that's led in her room, I was picturing the mice in Cinderella. Oh, God, oh, yeah. yes, definitely. <laughs> All getting ready to put her gown together. And Diana's just soaking in the tub and she noticed her belongings were taken to Matthew's room. Kind of a mark of possession. She goes from belonging to Philippe to belonging to Matthew. You know, she's handling it okay for a modern woman. She's not putting up too much of a fuss. And then she goes on to describe robe. And I'll have to post Deb's inspiration for this garment in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I think she recently posted it in the discussion group as well. And I've seen this image before. I think we've had it on Pinterest before. Yeah. We've definitely displayed it, repinning it from Deb or something. Yeah, y- yeah I'll put that in the show I ne- notes. I never even to this day would have envisioned what it really is without that picture. Yeah. yeah. So we'll put that there. Uh, Philippe shows up as they're finishing up with Diana's hair. He brings her wedding gifts, an arrowhead, an awesome necklace with yellow diamonds arranged like broom flowers. AKA Planaginista, and we have a variant that grows wild here mm-hmm. in Western Washington. Um, they start blooming around May. Yeah. They stink, by the way. We've got it here in Texas, too, and it should start blooming right around the same time the blue bonnets bloom. We get that, the broom, we get the blue bonnets, and we get Indian paintbrush. We get the blue bonnets as well. Uh, we get the like uh, end of April, beginning of May broom, and then after the broom starts dying out, we get the blue bonnets. Ah. And they're everywhere. I mean, all of the freeway 
sprays everywhere. But I can say the broom is, I, I would call it stinkweed. I think that's what it close, is. Yeah, because there's, it's it, like, it's, there's, there's another variant of it called Chinese cabbage and it's really invasive. Or cabbage yeah. weed. Cabbage weed is what it's called. So uh, he gives her that. Pearls, crescent moons, encrusted with opals. He tells her this stuff is for her to wear. Then he gives her a bunch of cash and French and English currencies and she's told if she needs more, she just needs to let Walter know. Mm-hmm. Me? I'm like, okay, daddy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> daddy Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> and then she reflects on her week. She's learned how to act, talk, work the household, distill spirit of wine, and now she has her own money. And Philippe has claimed her for a daughter. Pretty successful week for Diana. Yes. Wait, when he said, just ask Walter, then it made me even more curious. I mean, that's not what he was writing to Walter about in the beginning when they first got there, but it just made me wonder at what point did he write Walter? Oh, yeah. yeah. And what did he say? Yeah. No, by the way. <laughs> did, did he appoint? Walter, her conservator or something. Right. Right. So he wraps her in her coat and escorts her to the church and Thomas and Etienne's wake. When they're spotted, the bells begin to ring and now this passage. This is the passage I love. Um, Let me try not to fuck it up here. I faltered as we came to the church. The entire village had it assembled outside of its doors along with the priest. I searched for Matthew and found him standing at the top of the short flight of stairs. Through the transparent veil, I can feel his regard. Like sun and moon, we were unconcerned at this moment with time, distance, and difference. All that mattered was our position relative to each other. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes. Yep. And they're married outside. That surprised me on first read. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And we got a lesson in medieval weddings and everybody's married outside. So the wedding can't be challenged. <laughs> Unless you have someone like Philippe who rips it out of the register anyways. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, a whole, but we, that's a whole different. But we saw them. No, you didn't. <laughs> no. Saw what? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they head back to the chateau as husband and wife. Philippe does pretty much what he did the day before. Keeping the merrymaking going, Philippe and Diana dance and Matthew cuts in after Philippe jokingly complains that Diana's trying to break his feet by trying yeah. to lead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why am I not surprised by that? Right. No. <laughs> And then Philippe's all like, take your wife to bed before the others come upstairs with you to make sure the shit gets done. And I'm like, whoa, whoa shit. When is this with a D? <laughs> so, oh, uh, I didn't write down very much as far as the whole D scene. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> yeah. I, I like how I, I was like, take your wife to bed and finish this. Finish this. Right. Finish uh, it. Talk about making it a chore. Yeah. Lord. <laughs> Well, it was. And then it, ca- it carried over, which I didn't like. She's like, you don't have to do this for Philippe. I'm like, OK, please don't even mention Philippe right now. It's like, God, <laughs> it's like, yeah, no. Matthew shut that down pretty quickly. I like that. He, he did. did. Yes. It's like, yeah. do I look fucking concerned about Philippe right now? No, no. <laughs> yeah. My bad. No. Yeah, no. And the whole undressing ordeal, getting rid of all of these clothes so they can do it properly. I'm like, oh, wow. Could you imagine having a no it's foreplay? <laughs> Come on. It's for done correctly as foreplay. Okay, I guess. And I think he was doing it correctly because his fingers were creeping around up and underneath things and he was mm-hmm. kissing her as, as he's peeling things off. So I think he had an idea of how to do this right. That talk they had the night before about the carnal delights of older women probably helped out some. Yeah, probably. I just don't have the patience. <laughs> are you, you're like, get you, are the ma- you are the ma'am and wham bam, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is all this shit? And then she's trying to rescue his, her sleeves. Like, oh, my gown. And he's like, I'm going to buy you like 50 million more gowns right. like this if you don't stop. You know? <laughs> well, he didn't say that, but, you know, you guys get it. Anyway, yeah. so... Uh, 
I mean, uh, after the undressing, after everything. Did he actually growl at her? Did he actually growl at her? He needed to growl at her at this stage of the proceedings, I think. Yeah, he should have been a fly on the wall and been like, Matthew, why don't you growl at her? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I was right in the stage direction here, I think he'd be growling. Just, just, <laughs> I don't know what bad wolf. He needs to growl in this sequence. Uh, a little bit of, a little, you know. Yeah. Little added uh, bonus, little growl. Yeah. That would do it for me. There you go. See, just, I, trust me with these things, really. <laughs> <laughs> Translating these to the page, yeah. You might have a little nice insight. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we get to the part with the D. Wait, We're no, here. back it up. No, yeah, because we still have yeah. Tograss, Tograss. All right, right. Okay, right. Guys, well, go and ahead. because we had, meant, we had mentioned this in, a, in another episode when we were talking about where the heart vein is and we had brought up this particular passage where we said it's the Pledge of Allegiance spot but he says instead my husband was focused on the place where my nearly transparent high neck smock disappeared into the heavy reinforced fabric of the corset he pressed his lips against the swell bowing his head in a reverential pose he took in a jagged breath so he is nearing his lips to her heart vein but he can't get himself to do it yep. you're right exactly the heart vein thing little did we know there was still one more step beyond the D <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was more to this right. Right. so he doesn't bite her in the heart vein, but he pretty much takes care of the rest of the business pretty well. well what she, I think. And what's so funny is she. I think she subconsciously sensed that that was important because she said it was surprisingly erotic. The brush of yes. his lips somehow magnified by the fine lawn, lawn boundary. Well, it was more than that, Diana. But you'll find that out later. <laughs> Why couldn't Matthew close the deal there? Why even with it's the D, he didn't his close nature. the deal. He can't close the deal. Oh, he yeah. knows that's the last barrier to being totally consumed. Yeah. yeah. You're right. All right. So they do the D. Diana does the D anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They do the D and she does the D. Yeah. 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 We're at the close of this chapter, guys. Let me love you forever. Matthew murmured against my damp forehead, his lips trailing a cold path against Mm -hmm. my brow as we lay twined together. (laughs) Damp. I, I thought you were joking when you said, let me love you forever. I thought, let me love you a long time. I thought you were. Let me love you a long time. Yeah. All right, I'll start again. Yes. We'll do it properly. Okay. Let's do it. From the top. <laughs> let me love you forever, Matthew murmured against my damp forehead, his lips trailing a cold path against my brow as we lay twined together. I will, I promise once more, tucking my body even closer against him. And that ends this chapter. Anything else? Anything else? Going around. Going once. Going twice. I do not. Nothing. What? What? I got Two episodes nothing. in a row? I got nothing oh, wow. else. We, we, close, we close the deal. We close yes. the deal. All right. So Woo-hoo! that ends chapter 12 and the D happened. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's do some housekeeping. This housekeeping is brought to you by Melanie Nelson. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Melanie. Housekeeping. All right. Who's going first? I have housekeeping. I have a five-star Apple podcast review by Terry London Fan from USA. I listen to other All Souls trilogy-related podcasts, and this one is always fun and informative to listen to. The hosts are witty and fun and don't take themselves too seriously. Topics get me thinking about the books and characters in a new way, like Jason and Javier. Dad's Attic. Love, Terry. Oh, Terry. Thank oh, wow. you. Thanks, Terry. 
That's awesome. And yes, no, apparently we don't take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> Life is way too short for that. Oh, Come on. God, yes. Most, <laughs> most assuredly. Yes. Jean, what do you have? I have a housekeeping email from Michelle, and it has to do with our episode where we delved into the hay barn scene. Okay. Hi, demons. I just had a revelation regarding the barn scene where Philippe provokes Matthew into a blood rage. The first time I read this passage, I didn't get it at all, and I thought Philippe was being mean, even though he was saying, I forgive you, due to his misunderstanding of Matthew's guilt. On my second time through, I had a completely different experience and burst into tears. The reason for my different understanding is I've been engaging in a form of therapy called EMDR, eye movement desensitization, think, and reprocessing therapy to heal some childhood trauma. I believe now what Philippe was doing was purposeful, trying to get Matthew to use a different part of his brain, not the logical part, which would allow the message of forgiveness to penetrate. Now Philippe's actions seem wise and compassionate despite the outward appearance of being violent and cruel. You can share this message. I am not ashamed of my therapy and what I've learned as a result. Loving your show and your website. Happy to be a patron on Patreon. Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. That is such a great insight. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing Wonderful to sharing. Yes. Well, I have a voicemail from Camille. Thank you, Camille. Um, this voicemail is referring to the fight scene. Apparently, this is a popular topic. Oh, yes. And the fight scene that we covered last episode. So let's hear what she has to say. Hello, demons. This is your witchy listener, Camille. I wanted to talk about the infamous hay barn scene. Uh, from the beginning of chapter 11 to the end of this of that specific scene, Matthew is described by Diana as having the following emotions. Uh, coldly furious, uh, mocking, lucidity, ferociousness, disgust, dumbfoundment. He was sheepish, afraid, and amazed. And then as we know, in the blood rage, he was disoriented, desperate, and had the desire to beat or kill his opponent. That was really interesting to me. The vast array of emotions made me, the reader, overwhelmed well, in a good way, I would say. Anyway, I just wanted to highlight this part of that really intense scene. That's all for now. Bye. Thanks, Camille. Thank you, Camille. <laughs> You're right, Camille. The blood rage uh, reveal scene was very intense. We learned so much about Matthew right there. We all did. Yes. Jeez. Every time. Mm. Okay. You guys ready? Ready to do this? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. So the Save It for the Show is brought to you by Dora Flores Ryan. Thank you, Dora. Thank you, sweet Dora. Thank you, Dora. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. Topic for Save It for the Show. The handling of S-E-X in the All Souls trilogy. How apt for this episode, right? Well, Jean, I'm going to leave it to you. You're leaving it to me. Yeah. Leave, I bring it up here because, I mean, from a couple of standpoints, it's really interesting. Go back to that uh, signing you and I went to in Seattle when Deb told the story about, well, two stories. One that she wasn't about to write anything that would embarrass right. her if her mother read the book. And then when she talked about figuring out the whole heart vein mm. thing, and that it was going to be the heart vein and right. something else. A little more earthy, shall we say? I well, and I think it really depends on who you are as far as how you took sex scenes in this book right. and what you're used to reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Jean, I think you and I are more on the uh, open to anything type of thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> when we read stuff, yeah. Angela, I'm yeah. not sure about your proclivities there. I don't, I don't have any restriction. It doesn't, it does nothing. It's fair game. Everything is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything yeah. from fade to black, fade to gray, not fade, not fade away. I, as long as yeah. it's well done, I have no problem with it. I mean, yeah, Deb got a little bit florally and it's very swoony. Yeah. And I think, well, isn't her big thing though to be emotionally ready? She didn't even care about the physicality of it. She wanted to make sure that Matthew and Diana were emotionally prepared, yeah. ready. I mean, maybe thus the whole birth control talk um, was part of that, but... Yeah. It seemed like there was more yeah. focus on the buildup than the actual mm-hmm. yeah. culmination, shall we say. I don't know. I, I think uh, throughout the whole thing, I kept getting frustrated. Like, it's like, she is giving herself to you. You have every permission in the world. Yeah. Are you serious right now, Matthew? Are you serious? It's like, it's the 21st century and y- y'all are 30-something years old. Well, you're 50 plus yeah. 100 for you, but still, right. you're, you're adults. And that's, I think for me, some of it, when we got down to brass tacks, you're dealing with a very adult couple and then to deal with the actual sex in very yeah. YA language was kind of jarring for me. Yeah, because I had a hard time believing that Matthew was, uh, would hold himself back when they, like, do you, do you imagine him holding himself back with Juliet? No, I think he's got a lot of, and plus right. I think he's got a lot of dark shit in his head, but you and I have had that conversation before as far as his real buried sexual proclivities. And I think the editor, there's hints of it here and there. And I think the editors may have whitewashed it at some point in time. Yeah, it's a possibility. Definitely. That's my, totally my speculation. I also feel like it's how he described his clothing in the church scene or in the chapel that he was, you know, he deserves to have the pain. So Matt, Diana's so good, he doesn't deserve it. Even though I agree with you with his sexual preferences and that he can go to dark places and he would not hesitate to take Juliet. But I just Mm -hmm. think with Diana, it was almost, I mean, and because maybe because Deb says too that she didn't feel he was emotionally ready. So that's why they didn't have sex early on. Yeah. And, and I mean, the timing of the sex isn't even some, I, I get that. Right. I get all of that. But but the other thing, and this cracks me up because this is just kind of an, an observation of the marketplace that um, a lot of this fandom loves that it's not explicit. A lot of this fandom also wants to refuse to recognize that in the bones of the story, it is by and large yes. a romance, and, and especially Discovery of Witches, which seems to be everyone's go-to and the one that people are most attracted to and that people yes. reread the most. They reread the courtship. That's the popular one. Yes. And then, and then I also market-wise, I, I keep thinking it's like everybody loves and reveres Deb because she wrote this chaste-ish right. romance and don't realize that she's personal and professional friends with E.L. James. Right! This is, <laughs> I mean, E.L. James, everybody, for those of you who don't know, she's the one that wrote the Fifty Shades trilogy. Shades of Grey! <laughs> Which is the exact opposite of chaste-ish. Yes, so good friends. I mean, you see pictures of, like on Twitter, they share pictures of them sitting and drinking together. They are friends. So... Yes, and they went to yes. see this all together. <laughs> they sure did. From our last yes. our last incarnation. We put we, so yeah, much hope did. into that. Wah, wah, wah. Anyway. <laughs> we love you, Matthew. Good. Yes. <laughs> um, I... 
Okay, just in this chapter, right, where um, Matthew is telling Philippe, hey, I've had sex with plenty of girls. Now, if I were Diana sitting there, I'd be like, whoa, what? (laughs) You know, you wouldn't give me the D, but you're just offering the D out to anybody, plenty of women, plenty of warm-blooded women, and I, without a second thought. So Without a second thought, yeah. Okay, if you put thought into it, he held Diana on a pedestal already. I mean, from the get-go. Yeah. But from a female standpoint, then you're like the female sta- go to standpoint. What's wrong like, with me? Wait a minute. Yes. I'm not good enough. Yeah. So yes. I, I could yeah. feel Diana's frustration there. It's like, why? Why aren't I good enough? What? What's going on here? When you just admitted to Philippe that you bagged plenty of girls and nothing happened. There was no pregnancy. This one was yeah. special. So but as a female sitting there with the person you're in love with, that'd be a hard thing to take. Yeah. Be like, OK, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think the book would have been received differently had she gone to a bit more explicit route than she did? Um, I'm not saying full-on erotica graphic, but I'm saying no. somewhere in between. No, I, I almost feel like it would be people would be talk more openly because I mean, by and large, we think you know the fandom is more conservative but we've proven yeah. this with our own podcast that the way we talk and the way we talk about issues that people are coming out of the woodwork and having the same conversations with us and where we would never have known that before. We would just thought, okay, well, everyone's conservative. And they would have thought we're conservative. Yes. No. Well, not me. Well, no. Um, in the, gr- in the no. group as no, a whole, you didn't, I mean, probably in our private talks on the side, I, I knew who you were. Yeah. But people would not, I don't think people would know that about you as far as sex scenes. That would be your preference or anything like that. And Yeah, well, that's because we don't talk about that in the fandom. Yeah. But that's what we I'm saying is because this. it's so straight-laced and yeah. done under the radar that people just don't talk about it. But once the conversation gets going, you find out who people really are. Yes. And I think a lot of people were frustrated for Diana. I I think a lot of people and you always have the people that will come out and say, Mm -hmm. oh, but I prefer that it's Chase. I prefer that she didn't have to resort to that and resort to what? That's part of life. Mm -hmm. Sex is part of life. It's yeah, it's pure. Come on now. (laughs) It's pure. It's God gave us the ability to have it for a reason. Well, to make kids, but you know. <laughs> well, he, he could have made it far more mechanical. Right. And yes. Less that also gave a science to prevent that as well. <laughs> yes. This is so, true. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to add to that. Are we good here? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think we're good. All right. Cool. We're going to go on a break. And after this, we'll have. Yeah, we're going to fade to gray now. Yeah. <laughs> Did they did they go or didn't they go? (laughs) (laughs) Last thoughts and things we can't let go of after this audience. Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at Demons Discuss or at Demons Domain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there, too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., 
text ADOW as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text ADOW to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the form and spam our code, and that's it, you're a discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com, to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive! My last thought for today is I'm getting sad because we're going to leave France soon. Stop! Stop it! Oh, I don't want to leave France. Oh, jeez. Angela, you have anything to add to that? I will try to cheer you up, Jean, because I know how much you love Rudolph's Cabinet of Curiosities. So, I mean, it, it, That's it, coming. it does not compare to Philippe and being in his presence and basking in his glow, but it's a fun circus of a time in Prague. Good point. Yes, Prague is coming. Good point. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Angela, you have any last thoughts? Last thoughts? I don't really. I mean, it's the same old because the world of all souls is getting closer and closer and closer. And you guys actually, you're my last thoughts because you guys are actually going to get to see Deb. I'm, I don't have a tour stop near me, so I won't, but uh, I'm going to oh, live no. vicariously. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping my I'm hoping my trial schedule gets changed because I'm supposed to have an all day hearing that day here in Dallas. And if my schedule gets changed, then I'll be able to go to oh, Houston. Yeah. So I'm crossing my fingers. Well, I put in leave for that day for the uh, 8th of May and we'll see how that goes. Um, I am planning on being in Seattle for that one. Yay. Yay. Oh, you'll get to see Teresa. I will. I will meet our discusser, Teresa. I've met her before at All Souls Con last year, but uh, we'll get to hang out. That'll be cool. I'm looking forward to seeing you, Teresa, provided I get, you know, my leave approved. Yay. Um, let's see. Uh, my last thoughts. I want to tell everybody to give us some Facebook love, you guys. We were complaining about Facebook a couple episodes ago, how it doesn't grow like we wanted to. I'm going to pro- promote our Facebook page, guys. Visit us at uh, Facebook.com slash Demons Discuss. Hit the little like button. And uh, hopefully I'll get better at sharing things with you all because it's all about the the algorithm is all about engagement. And uh, if there's nobody following us, there won't be a whole bunch of engagement. So I'm going to try to grow that platform a little bit more. And speaking of platforms, Angela, I wanted to bring this up. Mm. We are close to 782 on Tumblr. We are. So very close. We are going to have a Tumblr only giveaway there. So if you're a Tumblr person, follow uh, Demon's Domain on Tumblr and get us to that 782 so we can have a nice giveaway. We love giveaways. We are not far either. So where are we at? We are at 754. Whoa! That's nice. <laughs> Give away soon. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, one more thing. Oh, well, I probably have a bunch more things. You can now... If you're in the U.S., you can now text ADOW, A-D-O-W, to 444-999 and become a discusser that way. No more going to the website or anything. You can just use your trusty little smartphone and give us a text and you'll get added to the discusser list that way. So that's nice and cool and convenient. It's only the U.S. right now. They're working on getting other countries for us. Um, One last thing. All Souls Con. At the time of this recording, I think we were at 50 tickets left. 
guys. So if you want to do that, make sure you get on top of it. By the time this comes out, there's no guarantees whether there'll be tickets left. But you can live stream and live streaming is $5, which is a bargain. So get on that and uh, visit allsoulscon.org slash tickets for that. And that's all I had. It was a bunch of advertising. Listen to me. <laughs> all good stuff, though. All good info. <laughs> it's all good info. Oh, also, uh, you can become a patron and listen to our after show, which we're going to record after this. I'm really going to have to redo that recording so I can stick all of that stuff in that recording <laughs> so I don't have to spew it as my lost thought. But that's all I have, okay. guys. Love you. <laughs> all right. So uh, are we ready to say goodbye? Yes. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, listeners. Goodbye. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you next time. 